Hey guys, it's time for Nina's Got Good News. Nina's a former TV news gal who used to share all the news. Now, as a mom and small businesswoman, she wants to share only the good stuff. It's time to brighten your day. So here's your host, Nina B. Clark. Hi everyone, how are you? Welcome back to Nina's Got Good News. I am your host, Nina Clark. How is everybody doing? I am coming to you now from coastal Connecticut. We are in the middle of winter. It is really cold here, but you know, that's February in Connecticut in New England. We do love living here even in the winter, although summer is truly our favorite season here because we live by the beach. Thank you all for showing up and supporting positive content in the audio space. Good news is so needed right now, and I am always so grateful for all of you. So here we are, February of 2023. By the way, did anyone else feel like January was? even extra long this year. It is like the longest month ever. So I was so happy when February rolled in. February is the month of love. That's why we love it so much, right? We're coming up on Valentine's Day. I am counting my blessings this month for sure. My mother, Mary Bradley, is still recovering down in Florida. And I recently went down to Florida to spend some time with her as she is about to turn 85. I can't believe it. But thank you all so much for the prayers and love and support for her as she continues her recovery. Thank you all so much. We are also spending all of our free time at the hockey rink. That's right. Lots of hockey for both our kids, Charlie and Blaine. We're getting ready for the state championships here in Connecticut, as well as figuring out and navigating the all dreaded tryouts for next season. Yep. Hockey is the best, but it's also basically a full-time job being a hockey parent. So anyway, as we're all trying to stay healthy during this time of year here in the winter, let me share more about one of my favorite wellness brands. Let's talk about Mary Roos Organics. Today's podcast, episode number 104, is sponsored by Mary Roos Organics. Mary Roos Organics is the only brand of vitamins and supplements that we use in our house. I take them every day and so do our kids, Charlie and Blaine. Mary Ruth herself is such an important and trusted resource for overall health and wellness, which is why we support and we love this brand so much. Today's podcast is proudly brought to you by Mary Ruth Organics. And if you go to their website now, maryruthorganics.com, maryruthorganics.com, and use our promo code GOODNEWS, that's right, Good news is the promo code. You will get 15% off your order at checkout. And that is good news because we all like to save money right now. By the way, all this information about Mary Roos Organics, the link, the promo code will be in the show notes of this episode. So don't worry if you didn't catch that. Okay, so on to today's episode. I am still pinching myself about today's guest. Seriously, I'm so excited about this. I'm gonna take you back to this past August. Six months ago, that's right, six months ago, I got to meet my favorite author in person, Ellen Hildebrand, on the island of Nantucket, which is in Massachusetts. My husband and I were there on vacation, and we went to her book signing at Mitchell's Bookstore, and when I met her, I asked her right away if she would come on the podcast to share all her good news. I was so thrilled that she said yes, thank you, Ellen, But she also said that she would not be available until January because she is such a crazy schedule, very hectic. So I stayed in touch with her for the past six months. And that's just a reminder for all of us that the fortune is in the follow-up. We stayed in touch and we made a plan to record this episode at the end of January. And now here it is. 
Ellen is responsible for making me read an actual book again. Again, thank you, Ellen, for making me love reading books again. I am so grateful for her for that. I literally hadn't read a book, I think, since my kids were born. But Ellen changed all that for me. Ellen is known as the queen of the beach read. She is the best of the best. She is a New York Times bestselling author. Ellen has so many bestsellers that we've actually lost count. I've lost track. She's a mom of three amazing kids. She is a breast cancer survivor. What an amazing story she has on that. So strong and so brave. She is also the queen of Nantucket. She really is. She's probably like the ultimate tour guide for the island. She's a book influencer. She's also a fitness addict. To know Ellen is to adore her. She revealed to me in this conversation today that she is actually not retiring. That had been previously reported, but luckily for all of her fans, including myself, she has more books coming. So you want to hear more about that. We talk all about that and everything in between in today's episode, podcast number 104. Here is my recent conversation with the amazing author, my absolute favorite author, Ellen Hildebrand from the island of Nantucket. And Ellen Hildebrand is with me now from Nantucket. Hi, Ellen. How are you? It's so good to see you. Hi, Nina. I'm good. Happy New Year. How is Nantucket right now? Tell us how it is in January of 2023. So January, January actually is one of my favorite months. It's quiet. Uh, it's it's chilly. It's raw. You know, the trees are bare. Downtown is completely, basically completely shut down. But it's um, it's still beautiful and I get a lot of work done and it's a very, it's a nice respite for me. The rest of my year is fairly frenetic. And so it's a time without sounding cheesy where I can just be quiet, stay home. I don't feel guilty. I don't have to go anywhere. And uh, it's really peaceful. Yeah. I love the quiet. That's so good. Quiet sometimes is so nice, especially since you are creative. Sometimes it's nice to have that quiet time to actually think and come up with ideas. But tell us, Ellen, why did you like, take us back? Why did you want to move to Nantucket in the first place? Because I'm sure people are like, wait, isn't that a summer place to go, Ellen? So, right. So the, my sort of story of origin with Nantucket is that I grew up in a blended family of five kids and my father and stepmother would bring us every summer, the month of July to Cape Cod. And I grew up outside of Philadelphia. So going to, everyone went to the Jersey shore, going to the yep. Cape, was a little unusual. And, um, but that was what we did. And we had these idyllic, idyllic summers. You know, this was back in the eighties and like, we would, we weren't allowed to shower inside. We had to use the outdoor shower. We ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner out on the back deck, you know, we'd go down and watch the sunset every night. Um, we'd go out for fried clams and soft serve ice cream. We'd play miniature golf. And my father used to wake us up twice in the middle of the night. He would wake us up and take us down to the beach so we could look at the stars. And then the other night he would light the candles in the dining room and we'd play midnight Uno. And we had all these traditions like you know, on our 12th birthday, we all learned how to drive on the Sandy lane that we lived on. And, you know, on our 13th birthday, we, we would get up and watch the sunrise out at Nosset beach and go out for, for breakfast afterwards. And it was like all these traditions and we loved it all so much. And then my father was killed in a plane crash when I was 16 and those summers came to an end. And basically the entire, my entire goal at that point was how do I get my summers back? Um, 
you know, my 17th summer, instead of going to Cape Cod, I worked in a factory back at home in Pennsylvania. I worked in a factory that made Halloween costumes and it was 1986. And I was folding Rambo headbands for eight hours a day, five days a week. And I thought to myself, I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to find a way to spend every summer at the beach when I grow up. You know, I went to Johns Hopkins for college and then I moved to New York City and I got a job in publishing and I, I hated it. I thought, oh, I want to be a writer. You know, I'll go into publishing. That was just silly. That was like the opposite side of the of the of the business. And so I quit and I realized what I needed was to have time. So I taught English and I first taught at IS-227 in Queens, New York. I taught in Dobbs Ferry, which is out of the city. And I would commute backwards. I had the summer between those two school years off. And I thought, okay, now is my chance. I'm going to go to the beach. And my family was still in Nantucket. So, I mean, in on the Cape. So I didn't want to go there. And I had been to the vineyard in college. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go to the third point on the Cape and Islands Triangle, which is Nantucket. So it was 1993. And when you went to get a room in a house in Nantucket in 1993, I had to um, call information, get the number of the newspaper in Nantucket, called the newspaper, said, can you please send me the classifieds? They arrived in the mail six days later. I started dialing for dollars, found a room in a house. Um, that I would be sharing. And there I go all my, all the way up to Nantucket. And I remember, I will paraphrase a John Denver song and say that when the ferry pulled into the Harbor, it was like coming home to a place I'd never been before. I loved it. I fell in love so hard with Nantucket. I got a, I bought a 10 speed bike, you know, and I, I would bike to the beach and I was like writing a novel, which never saw the light of day. Anyway, I just love Nantucket so much. I left at the end of the summer and I thought I have to get back there. So I taught the second year. And then after that school year, I moved up to Nantucket permanently and I've been here. So that will be my third, it'll be my 30th anniversary. Cause that was in 1993 that I came for the first time. So it'll be my 30th anniversary. Oh my this, summer. this summer is your 30th anniversary. I love that. That's amazing. Wow. Well, it is such a special place and hopefully all of our listeners have either been there or will go there after this episode, because it is such a special place that you really can't find anywhere else. But Ellen, tell us a little bit about your journey to having a number one bestseller, because I know that didn't happen overnight. And I feel like people, when they, if they know you and they know your books, I think you make it look so easy and you have so many bestsellers. So, but I know the journey you know, wasn't all rainbows and unicorns. It didn't happen overnight. So tell us about the journey to having a number one bestseller. So I'd always wanted to be a writer. And then, so I was living on Nantucket and at some point, uh, and my, then my boyfriend who then became my husband, who is now my ex-husband, although we are very, very good friends, very important person in my life. Um, then he was my boyfriend. He and I would travel in the off season. So we'd be here in the summer. And then in the off season, we went to like, we went all through Southeast Asia. We backpacked in Australia, New Zealand. We went to South America, the Galapagos, Costa Rica. I mean, the whole, we did all this traveling. And, and then at some point I said, you know, I really should go to graduate school. And so I applied, I wanted to get my MFA. I applied to the University of Iowa, which was then and is now the most prestigious writing program in the country. 
Why? I don't know why. It's in the middle of it's nowhere. <laughs> yeah, nowhere. Yeah. I mean, for me, cornfields, anyway. cornfields everywhere. Totally. So I get there and I'm completely miserable. I mean, I could not be more miserable. Um, you know, it, I just, I'm a literal fish out of water and they had free counseling at the university of Iowa. God love them. And I would go every week and talk to the counselor and cry. And she said, well, I sure it's clear, should be clear what you have to do. And I thought maybe she was going to tell me I should quit, which I thought was weird. Um, she said, you have to start writing a book on set on Nantucket. Oh, wow. That is what I did. I started writing a novel called the beach club in my very last workshop, my professor's agent came to the class and he said, which one of you lives on Nantucket? It was very obvious. It was me, but I raised my hand and, uh, I said, Oh, that's me. And he said, well, will you stay and talk with me after class? And Nina, I did not even want to, because I had my U-Haul packed. I was ready to go driving back East, but I did. Thank goodness. Michael has been my agent for 25 years. Wow. This, this will be our 25th year together. So, um, he asked what I was working on. I said, Oh, I'm writing this novel called the beach club. He said, well, when you're finished with it, send it to me. So that was in May of 98. And in January of 99, I finished the book. I put it in a box. I mailed it to New York and he called me and he said, I'd like to represent you and I'm going to make you lots and lots of money. And I was, who doesn't want to hear that? Right. I was so excited. And, um, so he sent it to, there were, at that time, there were 13 publishers in New York. He sent it to the 13 publishers, 12 publishers rejected it. One publisher said, we'll make an offer of $5,000. And I said to Michael, is $5,000 a lot of money? Because, you know, I'm not going to be able to quit my job. And he said, well, it's the only offer we have. We're going to go ahead and take it. So we took the $5,000 offer, the beach club was published in the summer of 2000. And it was immediately chosen as people magazines, beach book of the week. And oh I my gosh. So excited. I mean, I couldn't have been more excited. Well, Nina, it, they, my publisher had printed 2,500 copies and immediately those copies sold out. And this is, this is in 2000. There is no nook no kindle nothing like you can't buy a book electronically the idea does not has not occurred to anyone and so it was very frustrating because it went out of print it was out of print for three weeks over the part of the summer and i was very discouraged despite that it sold pretty well and um then i was given a two book deal for nantucket nights and summer people those didn't have the sort of the momentum of being a first novel. So they didn't get the publicity. Despite that, I got a, another two book deal for the Blue Bistro and um, the Love Season. The Blue Bistro was is my favorite book of all time. Did not sell well at all. And I was devastated. And so for my fifth novel, The Love Season, I thought, okay, I'm going to hire a publicist. Hired a publicist. She did a great job, paid her $10,000 of my own money. And she did a great job again, people magazine with my picture book of the week. Couldn't be any better. St. Martin's had published 7,500 copies of that book immediately sold out of copies again in the middle of the summer. I was so angry. And at that point I was sitting on a novel called barefoot and my agent, Michael said, I think we should shop this one around. 
but I didn't want to, because even though my publisher was so infuriating, like I had Stockholm syndrome and I was just in love with my captor. I did not want to leave. Um, but thankfully he, he, uh, persuaded me and I went to New York in September of 2006 and met with what were then all of the publishers in New York, which was, it was down to 10. Um, and they all wanted to publish barefoot. And I switched and moved to little Brown who has been my publisher for the last, um, I don't know how many years that was in 2006. So the last 17 years and they've done, I can't tell you how many books, I guess 24 books. And they turned every single one into a New York times bestseller. Hmm. They were the ones that came up with the covers and they came up with my signature font and they very systematically, carefully, thoughtfully built my brand, you know, book by book, year by year, summer by summer, they built this brand. I did not hit number one on the New York times bestseller list until my 23rd book, which was in 2019. And it was summer of 69. And that year I had to beat where the crawdads sang. Oh my gosh. That is so hard, Ellen. She had been number one for 49 weeks. I think when I, when I was coming up and I thought, am I going to be able to catch her? And I did the one week, just the one week I was number one on both lists. I couldn't believe it. It was such an interesting juxtaposition too, because it was my 23rd novel and it was her first novel and it might be her only novel, you know, and she's older and whatever kudos to her. Obviously the book has sold 12 or 13 million copies. I mean, it's mind blowing, but in that one week when it looked like she was unbeatable, I did catch her that one week. So that was very gratifying. Yeah. That's amazing. And look at, you know, it's just, it goes to show you like your, these are the words that I think when I think of you, persistence, discipline, consistency. I feel like those are such good attributes for everyone that's listening, whether you're you know, a writer or an entrepreneur, no matter who you are, what business you're in. I feel like discipline, persistence, consistency is your how you were successful, Ellen. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. Whenever anybody says, what is the word that describes you? I said, it's consistent and it is not a sexy word, but that is it. Consistency is my special sauce. I, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get anything that you're not expecting and that doesn't hopefully delight you. So, you know, yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's definitely your consistency has paid off. So Ellen, how, you, you know, I've told you this, but, um, you're the reason, you know, this book, Hotel Nantucket, is the reason why I started to like books again. So thank you. I owe it all to you. Wow. But how, like, how do you think you can pull it off? Like year after year, you have to pull this off, right? You have to produce, a, you have to put out a book. And I know that you're, you set the bar so high and I know you put a lot of pressure on yourself. So how do you keep doing it year after year? Well, it's getting harder and harder, Nina. So I mean, I, the hotel Nantucket, I thought was going to be such a huge flop. I had intended to retire after golden girl. Um, but I wasn't quite ready. So, and my publisher was very much not ready for me to retire. So I, no one's ready for you to retire. So we're clear, Ellen. (laughs) So I said to them, okay, I'll take, I'll do a two book deal. And they were like, we really want you to do a four book deal. I said, I'm not doing a four book deal. I'll do, and eventually we landed, I'll do a three book deal. So Hotel Nantucket was the first in the three book deal. And it was so hard to get it right. I started six different times. And when I say started, I mean like the first hundred pages start 
rewritten, 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 start completely from scratch, like six times. And there were definitely nights when I lay in bed and I thought to myself, I have sold my soul to the devil. This book isn't going to work. I should have retired. What am I doing? At some point, I just, the word persistent comes to mind. I just kept, I kept going back. I kept going back. I kept thinking, okay, what is going to make this book work? You know, and I finally found Lisbeth and I found Grace and I was like, okay, I found the cobblestone telegraph. I'm like, this is good. And, and at some point in the middle of the summer, like in the middle of August, I thought this book is going to be so good. I can't believe it. I mean, really shocking. And then the book that's coming out this summer is called the five-star weekend. Ditto. Couldn't get it right. Started. I'm like, this isn't going to work. I almost scrapped it and came up with a different idea. And then at some point I just kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. And the five-star weekend is actually quite good. I'm very, very proud of it. It's just oh every as, as the rest of the novels. Yeah. When I just thought that wasn't even possible. possible. Right. Okay. So that's coming out in June. That comes out June 13th. It's and, is, and that's, and that's your last, is that your last book? And then you're going to no. retire? No, no, you have one no. more. One no, more. I have one more Nantucket summer book. So I'm um, swan song, which is my swan okay. song. Oh, um, it'll be the swan song for my, one of my favorite characters, the chief, the police chief. Um, it'll be about his last case. And, um, the good news is I announced today on my Instagram, I have signed, I'm signing a two book deal for two novels set at boarding school, which I'm writing with my daughter, Shelby. She's 17. She's a junior at St. George's school in Newport. And we are writing what is going to be a really juicy, uh, couple of books about boarding school. Okay. Well, so I want to talk about that. Because um, we just finished all of my son, our son, Charlie's applications for boarding school. So I have a particular keen interest in this. And I also went to boarding school. So tell us about what, how are you and Shelby doing this together? I want to hear about the process. Is it going to be, you know, is it like based on her experience at St. George's or like, how are you putting this all together? To give you like a little bit of background, I have three children my oldest son went to Nantucket High School, and I am a product of public school, as is their dad. And Max Cunningham, my oldest, huge athlete in the newspaper, because it's Nantucket, in the newspaper every week, the kind of high school career that they make movies about. Out mm-hmm. partying, the police show up, like just popular and prom king, the whole thing, right? That's Max. Dawson, my second son comes through, and he, he he's failing everything in his sophomore year. And my ex and I are like, do we send him away? Which would seem so foreign to us. We did end up like through the back door, got him in at the very last minute to a place called Brewster Academy in New Hampshire. So Dawson goes to Brewster, changes his life. He's senior prefect. He has all A's. He has his, you know, stuff together. He is slaying ends up getting into the university of Miami, which is completely like just so far beyond what he would have done. Coming it's out like impossible to get in there now. Impossible. Yeah. It yeah, was a, good for him. He called me crying. I thought somebody had died and he said, I got into Miami. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. So he's down there now. Um, and so Shelby sort of watched the two of them and Shelby is a better, she's just a very assiduous, good student and was better student than either of them. And 
I said to her, you can either stay here and like, you know, she would be very, very well positioned or you can go away. And she decided that she wanted to go away. She applied to only two schools. She decided to go to St. George's. St. George's is one of the elite New England boarding schools. It is absolutely gorgeous. Everybody who goes there is gorgeous. She yeah. There, right. And I'm like, okay. I Dawson had been to boarding school, but it some somehow didn't, I didn't get it or, or possibly it's not in the same category as St. George's and the drama from day one of what's happening and the way the school is run and the things that are going on. My eyes were popping out of my head. I said to her, we have to write a novel about this and you have to write it with me. And we joked about it. And then as she started this year, now she's a junior. Now she's already had a year. She understands how things work a little bit better. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're she's like, yeah, we're doing this. So the way it's going to be organized, it's going to be world building, much like the Hotel Nantucket, right? In that book, you enter the world that is the hotel. In this novel, you will enter the world that is the school campus. And it starts, there's the board of there's the dude who's the president of the board. There's the head of school who's a woman of color. There are the teachers, one of whom is a failed novelist, one of whom is a young 23-year-old who's come from Montreal. And then there are the students. And Shelby is writing, there are four students that we're focusing on. Shelby's writing three of the four. Um, and I'm writing one that is a boy because she doesn't feel like, she didn't feel like she could do the boy yeah, this is her first time out. So I said, that's fine. I'll do that. And, uh, and it's fun. And I think it's going to be great. I can't, as you know, cause you have children, Gen Z has their own language. Yes. They have Snapchat, they have TikTok, none of it. I can write about it, but I don't have the inside Intel. So, so <clears throat> excuse me, Shelby will be bringing the Gen Z perspective to this sort of multi-tiered novel. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, I I obviously can't wait to read it because um, you know, March 10th is when we'll find out about all of Charlie's boarding school oh, I stuff. Know. So I know. Oh my gosh, the stress and these kids, you know, he's 14 and it's like, yeah. you know, it's it's so crazy. But um, I'm excited crazy. for him and I'm sure yeah. that you're excited for Shelby to be at St. George's and doing so well and loving it there, but I just can't wait to read those books. So I'm super excited yeah. and congratulations. And I hope Shelby wants to be like you and be an amazing author. Yeah. Someday. Well, I mean, now, of course, I mean, it's one thing, Nina, like you get them into boarding school and then that's really just the beginning. Cause then, yeah. they have to first of all, they have to navigate an entirely new system where they live. So there's that, there's all that. And then once they get comfortable and this is the absolute truth, once they get comfortable, then it's time to apply to college. So just Friday, I was at St. George's overnight because they have this big thing program for the parents where, you know, you're learning all about colleges and you're like, okay, we just got comfortable. Yeah. I just got here. And now you worry about college. And I know we're not alone. A lot of other parents have to deal with the college search too. And it's just, it just never ends. It's just a lot. Yeah. It's just a lot. And luckily for you with Shelby, you know, you've already been through it with your older two. So sure. that makes it a yes. little bit easier because you have so much good experience and wisdom, which is awesome. So, okay. Let's talk a little bit um, about your boyfriend. Okay. <laughs> Dying to talk about your boyfriend because you guys do long distance and you yes. guys make it work. So everyone wants to know more about him. So tell us a little bit there about your is. boyfriend and mm-hmm. how that works with the long yeah, distance. I know. 
Um, it's so funny. I feel like Jennifer Aniston. Every once in a while, I'll be in an event and people will raise their hands and they'll be like, can you talk about your love life? I'm like, my love life? Well, um, it's because of the books, Ellen, I'm sure. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. Um, my boyfriend, Tim, and I have been together 10 years-ish, long distance. Um, he lives in Easton, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour east of New York City. And we just, he has, he's a general contractor there and I'm here and, you know, we, in the, in the summer, he'll come up for, you know, as much as he can. And then in the winter, a lot of times we go away. So when I go to St. John in March and April, he'll come down for, you know, two weeks here, two weeks there, but it's kept the relationship really fresh, I think, because we're not in the same place all the time. And I mean, if we're in year 10, it's, we've learned how to do long distance. You know, we talk on the phone probably six, I would say six times a day, five or six times a day, um, you know, text if something comes up and, and then we try and see each other every two, two weeks, 10 days, two weeks. Um, and a lot of times, like I said, we're traveling and I don't know. I, I, for me, it's perfect. Cause I'm so busy and I have a bunch of kids and their friends and a busy, busy life. It's also allowed me to hold on to my independence because one mm-hmm. of the things um, it's very, very valuable to me is being independent. I do go to events and, and parties and stuff on Nantucket by myself. And I think it's super important for the kids to see me doing that, especially Shelby, because um, you know, you, you have, you, as a woman, you have to have your own life very, very important to me. And so, um, although Tim and I are, you know, committed, it's, it's really nice to do things also independently. Yeah. I think that's so important, especially with our daughters and also financially independent too, Ellen, right? I think that's, yeah, that's so important. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of your challenges, by the way, I can't wait to meet Tim on Nantucket this summer, hopefully, but some of the challenges you've had, Ellen, obviously, you know, you talked earlier about the tragic death of your father when you were yep. just 16, mm-hmm. which must have been so heartbreaking and sad, especially, yep. you know, that was basically like, you know, Shelby's age. Right. And then, and then your divorce, mm-hmm. which you, you know, you mentioned your, your ex, and then you um, were diagnosed with breast cancer. So yep. do you like, how did you, I feel like those were, those are all each a lot. And how did you get through those? And then what have you learned from those challenges? Like, how have you come out on the other side of those challenges stronger and maybe better? Right. I think that obviously of the three, well, not obviously, but of the three of those, the hardest one was my father. Mm-hmm. I was so young, you know, you're going through so much in adolescence anyway. And I can remember like the week he died, I had just gotten my first job. I had just learned to drive. I had, I, it wasn't my first boyfriend, but I had a new boyfriend. So all of these things you know, I think I lost my virginity. Like all of these things happened in the month, either right before, or right after my father died. And I can remember thinking to myself, I didn't have a lot of self-awareness, but at some point I thought to myself, I'm going through so much. Like all of these things are happening to me at once. And it was, a, you know, it was a lot. And I had a, and I, I kept my, somehow I, when I look back, you know, I kept my grades up. I was a very good student. I was a very good kid. I did not drink nor smoke. I, you know, was 
a goody two shoes, like at the top of my class, like that was me. I was a nerd. I was in the band. I mean, it couldn't have gotten any nerdier. I played the clarinet, but I kept doing all of those things. I did not miss a step. I remember I was in advanced math. I missed, I think four days when my dad died. And when I went back on Monday, I was so worried because my, my pre-calc teacher, I was like, oh my God, I'm so behind. And he was like, just take a breath. That was so great. Um, and so nothing that I've gone through since has been as bad as that. So I always sort of use that as my benchmark. Um, my divorce was, you know, anybody who's been divorced, it is not pleasant. Our kids were, I think 13, 11 and eight or nine. So tough ages. Um, but now, I mean, I'm trying to think Chip and I have been divorced 13. So like 10, just about 10, 11 years, we've been, we were separated before that, but, um, so it's been a while. And now, I mean, I speak to chip every single day and we are tremendous friends and co-parents and co-presidents of what I call the Cunningham family corporation. And the kids, although they are young adults, well, two young adults and one teenager, they were still require a lot of guidance and a lot of help, a lot of support and nobody is fully launched yet. So they're still in our purview. And so we work really well together, um, doing that and yeah. And then can't the cancer battle was another thing. So the cancer happened the year after I got divorced and so that was sort of a boom, boom. Cause once I finally sort of got my feet under me, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and that was probably the second hardest thing. Cause you just don't know how it's going to go. And the consistency really helped me because I kept writing and I, I was treated for just about a year. I had a double mastectomy. I was, I was reconstructed at one point during my reconstruction I got a MRSA infection and almost died. And I was flown from Nantucket in the helicopter to uh, Mass General and was operated on and and had to have one of my implants removed, uh, which was a buzzkill because then I spent three months like very lopsided, like flat to the bone on one side and then this gorgeous, wonderful implant on the other side. And that's when I felt like I was the time I felt most like I had breast, like the old sort of school, like, oh, you have breast cancer. Um, but it, it took about a year and then I, I was reconstructed and, and knock on wood, I've been in very good health since then. I really took it as my mission to speak up and do events. I do, I do 40 events a year. Some of those are just strictly breast cancer events um, because I want to tell that story and let women know that it's not the death sentence it used to be, but you know, and the demographic of breast cancer is precisely exactly the same as the demographic of my books. So it's, um, you know, I have a captive audience and talking about early detection and mammograms and follow-ups, et cetera. Yeah. That's so important too, that you're like paying it forward. You know, I think that's, that's so, that's such a good thing that you're doing. It speaks to your heart. Um, so Ellen, let's talk a little bit about the perfect couple because this is so exciting. Good news that that is, is um, a limited series. I think it's six parts. I think I've read on Netflix. So it's coming to TV. Yep. So tell us a little bit about that. Do you have a cast lined up? I know you're one of the executive producers. 
How is that process going? And do you have any updates on it for us? So it is in the process of being cast. I understand they have not only a U.S. casting person, but also a European casting person because Greer is British. And I think they have a European casting director for that reason as well. Um, I have heard some names. I cannot share them because they are not set in stone yet. They are super big, super big. Um, and the director is somebody who just joined the project at the end of 22. And her name is Suzanne Beer, B-I-E-R. She directed The Undoing and she directed The Night Manager. If anybody has seen those, very high-end, very beautiful, elevated series. And so that is where we are headed with The Perfect Couple. It is going to be extremely high-end. And I feel like I'm elated, A, that this is how it's going. Um, but I also feel like, okay, good. I waited 23 years, <laughs> 23 years to have something made into a film or TV. And so it should be good because, um, you know, I've been pretty patient and I've had, I've written a lot of novels that have, you know, and I've had other projects in Hollywood go belly up. And this one will be made and it's super exciting that it's going to be made in such a wonderful way that serves not only the material, but also this island. Yeah. Is it going to be filmed on Nantucket, Ellen? I'm a part of it. Yeah. Part of it. Okay. It's not feasible to film the whole thing on Nantucket. Yeah. It's too expensive. They are going to film, I believe, for 10 days or two weeks here in June. Oh my gosh. So exciting. And do you think this is sort of the future of some of your books? Like if this goes well with Netflix, do you see this as sort of the, the next thing for you? I certainly hope so. Yeah. I certainly hope so I have uh, my novel 28 summers also is, is with the movies is with um, MRC who made knives out and the glass onion. And, uh, they have a wonderful screenwriter director who is presently rewriting the script for that. And so I would have to say, I think that will probably be the next thing that will get made fingers crossed. Um, but I have other things, the hotel Nantucket is in development with Warner brothers and, um, summer of 69 is with Sony. So I have other things in the fire. Um, oh but my gosh, Ellen, you're like going to Hollywood. This I know. So amazing. Well, I know. I love it. <laughs> it's been a while, Nina. I mean, I know. I know, you've been out of, I know you've been, you've been watched, out of for a long time. Yeah. And I've watched a lot of other people get things made and it's that, you know, I don't suffer from a lot of professional jealousy, but in that aspect I do. And cause I'm done, you know, I've been like, okay, why that person and not me. And it's easy. It's hard, I guess, to keep the faith, but I have kept the faith and just be like, I can't control what happens to other people. I can only control what happens to me and nobody controls what happens in Hollywood except for like the weird unseen forces. So exactly. Well, so Ellen, what are your favorite things to do on Nantucket? What are your favorite places to go for those of us that are Nantucket groupies? Tell us right. your favorites. So the good news is, is that in the back of the hotel Nantucket is my comprehensive guidebook. It's called the blue book. Uh, they give away a fictional version of it at the Nantucket, at the Hotel Nantucket. And then I made a real version of my own. So all of the places that I love to go are in the blue book. For those of you listening, um, you know, my favorite, I, I don't, I don't reveal my favorite beach, but I love to go to the beach. 
um, in the summer. I try and go four or five times a week. I do have a pool in my backyard, so I hide out there sometimes as well. Um, I love going downtown for dinner. So many great places. Um, Nautilus is probably my favorite. The sandbar out at Jetty's Beach is an, a must do. I love um, the Languedoc for like classic French bistro. Absolutely delicious. The Brotherhood for casual um, out in Sconset. The Chanticleer is just beautiful. They have a gorgeous garden. And if you're going out to lunch, you cannot beat the galley. The galley lunch is absolutely the best. Um, there's great biking. Cisco Brewers is so much fun. You can rent a Jeep and drive out to Great Point. I go out, I try and go out to Great Point almost once a week. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's a summertime fantasy here, quite honestly. Um, I always talk about my two favorite subjects of the nightlife. There's a piano bar at the club car and you go and you sing your little heart out. Um, all the classics that, you know, the guy sits and plays the piano and then the chicken box, which has live music. Um, really so much fun. Yeah. Like way too much fun, way too much fun, Ellen. I'm not going to tell you what happened the last time I was there. Woo. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> no, all good. All good. It's just the next, the next morning was a little rough. That's, oh, all, yeah, no. that's all I can say. <laughs> a little rough. So Ellen, before I let you go, would you say if there are people that are interested in writing a book or they have an idea for a project or a business or a podcast or a blog, like is your overall, I feel like your whole thing is like, don't give up, like keep at it. I mean, I know we talked about persistency, persistence and consistency and discipline, but I just feel like you didn't give up. Do you right. feel like that's kind of the message to other people that are listening that have an idea for something? Yeah, absolutely. It is not luck. And that's the thing is you cannot sit around and wait for luck. And honestly, talent is only going to get you so far. I was not the most talented person at Iowa, but I got things done. I finished. Um, my discipline is my superpower. Like I sit down and get it done and it, you know, people may think that they're disciplined, but you, you really have to be like a Marine and you have to make yourself do it. And you can't, you can't give up because yes, it gets hard, but you can't just stick the novel in the drawer and wait to be inspired. You have to keep at it day after day. And also I always tell people, people, you know, the common thing is write what you know, which is true, but write what only, you know, right. So the things that are particular to you, and that is why, you know, I am so successful is because I took Nantucket and I thought, okay, well, this is where I live now. Let me write about it. And, and that has worked. Yeah, that's amazing. It's such good advice. So Ellen, where can everyone follow you? Obviously, you know, I'm obsessed with your Insta, but tell us where can everyone follow you? Instagram website. Cause I feel like there's so much news coming out, you know, between yep. the books with Shelby can't wait boarding yep. school. Wait, do you have a title for that? By the way, the Academy. Oh, the Academy. Oh my gosh. This is so juicy. Okay. So you have, you have the books with Shelby, you have all the stuff happening yep. with the five-star weekend coming out. You have the Netflix uh, situation with the perfect yep. couple. So where do we find all the info all the time? Where do we follow along? But really the best place to find the info is my Instagram page, which is at Ellen Hildebrand. That's where I break everything first. It's like my child. I take such good care of my Instagram. Um, I am on Facebook. I have a professional page. Um, my publisher often runs sweepstakes and giveaways. So if you're into that kind of thing, you can follow me on Facebook. And I, I plan 
I don't know if this will come to fruition, but I plan to get on TikTok this year. Shelby's going to help me. Yeah, we Shelby. Stay. We shall see. I would stick to Instagram until we figure out what's happening with Ellen and TikTok. But um, yep, easy. That is the way to go. Okay, awesome. And of course, um, are you are you going to be doing book signings at Mitchell's this summer on Nantucket? I hope still. Mitchell's okay. Every Wednesday at eleven from I believe it's the twenty something of June, the last week of June, and through the end of the end of actual summer. So through the third week in September, I will be signing. Wednesday at 11, you have to be in line by 11.59 or I will not sign your book. So get there, get there early. I know it's true. And I have to say the people I met in line last summer were the coolest people. I feel like Ellen, you attract such awesome people and everyone that was in line. First of all, the line was crazy long and I did get there early because I listened to you. But the people were so awesome that it actually was really fun to wait in line because I met all these cool people and we all bonded over your book. So it actually was, you know, an awesome hour waiting, (laughs) waiting to meet you and reading. Yeah, it was awesome. So anyway, Ellen, thank you so much for sharing your good news. Um, I just want to say on behalf of someone who used to love reading and then had children and gave up books. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for making me love a real book again and holding it in my hand and reading. It's just brought more joy back into my life. So thank you, Ellen. And we just, we all love you so much. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're not retiring. (laughs) I know. Thank you, Nina. Thank you for having me. And thank you guys all for listening. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast. Remember, you can find Nina's Got Good News on iTunes and Spotify, also on Google Play, Stitcher, and Outcast. And now we are also on Pandora. Please be sure to subscribe. Also, rate and review all her podcasts, too. And be sure to share it with a friend. The mission of this podcast is to get better together as a community in the audio space. Please follow my mom on Instagram. Her handle is Nina B. Clark. Don't forget, Clark has an E at the end of it. For now, I'm Blaine Clark. Thank you again for listening, and let's just keep being awesome. XOXO.